I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I've worked as a forest ranger for some time now. I've not seen too many crazy things, but the things I've seen are absolutely terrifying to me. One day, another ranger and I were assigned to escort an archaeologist around the park to survey some areas for a potential dig site for some project or something. Honestly, these things are really boring, so I didn't really pay much attention to them. We were climbing a slight incline to get a better view of the valley. We sat up there for about 20 minutes taking pictures and samples of the dirt and whatnot. Seemingly out of nowhere, the archaeologist guy starts yelling for us to come over frantically. We come and see what the fuss is about. He is pointing in. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. To the valley in what seems to be a bear walking on two legs, carrying a deer on its shoulders, seemingly effortlessly. I wasn't really too phased by this. I made light of it, saying it was more than likely a bear. But the other ranger was pale-faced and looked horrified. He said that was no bear and nothing was running with the deer on its shoulders directly at us. We all started to panic and scramble to get to our ATVs and take off like we had seen Satan himself. I don't know if we saw a Bigfoot or a deformed bear that day, but it honestly scared the crap out of me. As an ex-park ranger turned soldier, I've seen my fair share of strange and terrifying things. But nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered during my tour in Afghanistan in 2019. When we first arrived at base, it was unlike anything I had ever seen. There was nothing but a barren wasteland, and the only thing to eat was this strange, bland food that seemed to have no nutritional value. But we were soldiers, and, and we were used to roughing it so we didn't think much of it. One day, while on patrol through a local town, my squad and I were ordered to investigate a strange alley that had been reported by locals. As we made our way down the narrow passage, we heard a roar unlike anything I had ever heard before. My heart was pounding in my chest as we cautiously approached the end of the alley, and then we saw it, a creature that defied description. It was a massive, hulking thing covered in thick, matted fur. It had the body of an ape, but the face of something far more sinister. It let out a deafening roar and lunged at us, but we were quick to react. We unleashed a hail of bullets from our automatic rifles, and the creature fell to the ground, dead. As we approached the body to examine it, we were met with resistance from the locals. They were fiercely protective of the creature and wouldn't allow us to get too close. We were puzzled by their behavior, but we didn't want to cause any more trouble, so we left the creature where it lay and continued our patrol. But the memory of that creature stayed with me, even after we returned to base. I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something off about it, something that didn't quite fit with what we knew about the world. I couldn't help but wonder what other strange and terrifying creatures might be lurking in the shadows of this mysterious country. Tom and I had been camping in the woods for a few days, enjoying the peace and quiet of nature. As we sat around the campfire, roasting marshmallows and swapping stories, we couldn't have been happier. But our peaceful camping trip was about to take a terrifying turn. As we were talking, we suddenly noticed something moving in the sky above us. At first, we thought it was just a large bird. But as it got closer, we realized that it was something far more sinister. It was a thunderbird, a massive creature with wings as wide as a house and a beak as sharp as a knife. The thunderbird spotted us and let out a deafening screech before diving towards us, trying to peck us with its massive beak. Tom and I panicked and ran for our lives, with a thunderbird hot on our heels. We ran for what felt like an eternity, our hearts pounding in our chests until we were completely lost in the woods. We walked aimlessly through the forest trying to find our way back to our campsite. After what felt like 
hours of wandering, we finally came across a park ranger. We told him that we were lost and that a thunderbird had attacked us, but he didn't believe us. He insisted that it was just an eagle and that we were imagining things. He gave us a compass and continued on his way, leaving us to fend for ourselves. As park ranger patrolled, he couldn't shake the feeling that he was being watched. He pulled out binoculars to try and spot the bird that had just flew above him. As he looked through the lenses, the bird was suddenly right in front of him. It was a thunderbird, and it was even bigger and more terrifying than the campers described. The park ranger dropped his binoculars in shock and ran away scared. Does anyone else find the desert extremely creepy? I've driven through and hiked the desert quite a few times, mostly with my husband and a few times with other family members, and I've driven through it alone. We've encountered a dark, disturbing feeling several times. Despite this, my husband likes the desert. With few exceptions, I don't. Even areas of amazing natural beauty often feel unwelcoming. A few stories, if you're looking for stories to read on your podcast or whatever, awk me first. My husband and I were driving through a secluded canyon when we saw a very large cave entrance up ahead. I remarked that it's too bad we can never access things like this when, surprise, there was a dirt road that turned off in the direction of the cave. We parked in a little open area, hiked across a dry stream, and started along a trail that followed the bottom of a ridgeline. This meant we were approaching the cave entrance from the side rather than straight on, and it wasn't immediately visible. We had rounded a bend and could now see the cave through the trees when I was suddenly overwhelmed with a feeling of danger. It was a get-out-now, run-for-your-life sensation. I told my husband, who later informed me, he felt it to a lesser extent, and we immediately turned back, like a couple of idiots. We hadn't taken any protection with us, and I kept expecting an attack from behind, but we made it back safely. In that same canyon, we stopped at another place and walked a short distance back into some rocks, where my husband felt such a disturbing feeling that he waited for me by the SUV while I took pictures. Canyons or washes with steep walls are the worst. During a hike through one of them to look at petroglyphs, there was this dark, foreboding energy the whole time. While we've encountered these sensations in other places, the desert takes first prize. Any spooky desert stories? Is there another type of natural region you think is the scariest? This was very recent, six days ago to be exact. I am a huge fan of hiking or just simply taking walks in the woods. The only time I go alone is when I'm in the woods I live near. This day I was not. I was with my friend Lars in a walk about three hours from my house. We were planning on traveling around and staying at motels in the meantime. That day we decided to take a walk in a popular area for people who like to walk in the woods like me. The catch was that this woods was freaking huge. Not really bad to us, though. We were thrilled. There wasn't much. It was pretty. We escaped the crowd, but... Every now and then, we would see someone walking by. We walked for a while until we got to this spot, not too different from the rest. Except for one thing. Nobody else was around in the section. That's why me and Lars took this turn. 
the other turn had a bit of people. After a while of walking down this path, we spotted a man, a naked man. We gave each other the look and turned around. The man was slightly off path, bent over and looking at something. As me and Lars were walking back, talking about the strange man, I heard a voice behind me. I turned to see the man. He was talking to us about the bug he picked up. I got a good look at him. He was a bit tall, nothing crazy, bald with a few brown hair beginning to grow, but completely naked. I flashed the man a smile and sped up. We got out of that place as fast as we could. Once we got to the car, we kind of laughed. Yes, it was creepy, but more weirdly funny. The car ride was nothing so skipped to the motel. As we are checking in the motel, we see the man walk in. He was a bit hard to recognize, considering the fact that now he had clothes, just torn up clothes. He waited behind us in line. Good thing we were almost done checking in, because as soon as we did, we went right to our room and locked it with. No thought. Now it was definitely creepy. Was he following us, or was it a coincidence? We both decided we weren't going to stay at this hotel for more than a night. Heck, I don't want to stay one night if it weren't for Lars telling me it's Oak. That night, Lars wanted to go outside for a cigarette. I don't smoke, but no way. I was going to stay in this room alone. I followed him outside, and we chatted for a bit. After a few minutes, I see the guy walk out of the doors. Lars put out his cigarette and began to walk inside, but before we got in, the guy pulled out what was probably a knife or something else sharp. It was dark, I could barely see and started carving through his sleeve and right at his arm. I saw liquid trickling to the ground and immediately knew it was blood. I rushed into the lobby and Lars got the idea and followed. We alerted the staff, but by the time they got someone to come out, he was gone. To this day, I still have so many questions. Did he follow us? Why was he naked? Why was he doing that to himself? I will probably never know the answer, but honestly, I'm still spooked. It quite will do if I see him again, but I hope I don't have to think about that. It's been a while since I posted a personal account. This happened two summers ago. It's short but confounding. I was with two friends in my truck. I was driving and it was dark, but not necessarily late. Probably 10 p.m., we were traveling to Page, Arizona, slash Lake Powell from Durango, Colorado, and had to pass through Cayenta, Arizona, part of the Navajo Reservation. Now I'd been to Cayenta before several years prior with a friend of mine who grew up there. We spent an entire day just having a good time with his people, but as soon as the sun started dropping, his mother and grandmother were insisting we get off the res before dark. So I knew it had a reputation for the weird as many reservations do at night. Flash forward and me and my two friends are in the truck. We're all white if that matters. It's a long, straight, unlit two-lane road with classic red desert on both sides in daylight. There's another vehicle coming the opposite way and no crossroad in that stretch. T. That's important because right before we go past each other, something I can only describe as metallic went streaking right between us at a perpendicular, like feet away from both our bumpers. It looked to be about the size of an SUV, no lights or discernible shape, but it seemed smooth. 
It's a weird comparison, but the speeding bullet in Mario Kart is actually what came to mind when it happened. All three of us saw it, and I think the other people did too, because I saw them hit the brakes in the rear view. Weird. Southern Utah. One month camping slash hiking trip into the Escalante National Forest. Slow moving lights across the sky like alien spaceships. There was no sound. I was with a group of 12 friends. They approached slowly over an hour and then were gone quickly. We were all laying in our sleeping bags and we were all concerned. After we returned from the trip, we tried to find info on what they could have been. We never figured it out. Maybe military. Maybe aliens. On a small island on the Mississippi River in Minnesota, on mushrooms, and no, it wasn't just a hallucination. My brother, myself, and two friends had taken mushrooms a couple hours before dark and were running around with flashlights. The entire interior of the island was covered in massive ferns that were about waist high and so many, so tightly packed in, that you couldn't even see the forest floor. Everyone was running around with flashlights and because you couldn't see the ground. Every so often the bobbing flashlights would disappear when someone tripped on a log or hole. Someone yelled how it feels like we are in Vietnam. We all sort of hooted and hollered and took back off, running around, diving and dodging bullets as we all shared in that feeling shared trip for a while. Not long after that, we heard a loud and fast bass beat that started growing even louder. It louder so loud you could feel it in your chest as if whatever it was was nearly right on top of us. We all stopped to catch our breath at the edge of the island. But somehow the noise grew even louder. When suddenly four blacked out military helicopters came flying down the river just a few feet above the water and flew right past us as all four of us just stood there like gear in headlights, dumbfounded and questioning whether what we were all seeing was even real. They passed right between our island and the next, so low and so close, we could see the pilots in the cockpit turn their heads and look at us, illuminated by the cockpit lights. It was really incredible we would have been an amazing sight, even if we weren't tripping on mushrooms. It was incredible to quite the coincidence that we happened to be there tripping on mushrooms that night when the nearby military base chose that night and that stretch of the river to conduct a helicopter exercise. So wild. My daughter and I had started our six-day trip in uh, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. First evening, we were set up dinner finished and we were just tidying up camp in the last light. Our site was on a corner of the shoreline where it turns from west to the north. The next closest site was on the other side of the lake. I hear something coming through the woods, paralleling the shoreline from the west. Whatever it was, it was big, on the move, and not caring about how much noise it was making, as it plowed through the brush. It was also vocalizing. It was making a hue, hue sound, and it was getting louder, closer. It was heading straight for our sight. My daughter and I realized that shit's about to get real. We each grab our bear spray and put our backs to the lake, and we start making a bunch of noise, yelling, clapping, banging paddles. Eventually, 
the thing in the forest gets close but never breaks out of the tree line. It starts to parallel us and then we hear it heading north and fading off into the distance. We never saw it. Next day we meet some rangers doing maintenance on a portage. We described our experience and they said it was likely a bull moose. The rut was going on at the time, mid-September, and the bulls are out looking for the lady moose. Plus they said that their eyesight isn't that great, so it could help explain why this thing was just plowing through branches and brush. Shorter story. Second night, different sight. I woke up, couldn't sleep, so I just sat listening to the night sounds, luns and owls. Our tent is pretty close to the lake. I hear single footfalls in the water. Curse splash, curse splash. I wake up my daughter to tell her I think it's a bear. Learned later, black bears aren't big waders when they can just be on the ground. I tell her we need to scare it out of the sight. She gives me a big nope and goes back to sleep. I get up, put my shoes on, and go outside with my bear spray and headlamp. I walk down towards the shoreline, but not all the way. We're on a cove, and tree is partially blocks my view of the entire shore. I yell, get out of here, bear, and then jump back into the tent. The footfalls stop, and we didn't see any sign of tracks on the shoreline the next morning. Maybe it was another scary night moose. I lived in a haunted house. I was never afraid of supernatural, but it, it was a strange year living there. When we visited the house the first time, I felt this strange, unsettling feeling. I didn't want to live there, but I was 16 at the time, and I had no vote in the house my mom would choose, and it ended up being this one. Thankfully, it was a rental, so we could leave any time. There was an old blue trailer in the yard. The homeowner told us we could make any change to the house, but we could not touch the trailer ever. We never even went near it. It was old and filthy, and we didn't care for it. During the time that we lived there, a series of stuff happened that we couldn't really explain at the time. But like I said, I was never really afraid of supernatural. We would clean, and suddenly the floor would be covered in muddy dog feet. No dogs around. One night I want to change a lamp standing on a ladder. The ladder tips over. I nearly hit my head on a sink. It was really close, but no reason for the ladder to tip over. In one year, our house gets hit by lighting three times, going front to back, breaking every single thing that was plugged into electricity. One of these times, my brother was outside in the back, taking in some stuff he left outside so it wouldn't get wet from the rain. Lighting hits and he gets ejected at least three meters through the air across the lawn, hit a fence, and falls on the ground. Miraculously, he's shook but unharmed. One night, I wake up having to use the bathroom. I get up and hear water running. So I walk into the bathroom. Nothing. I wake my mom, tell her I hear water. She does, too. We go downstairs. It's flooded, ankle high already. A pipe burst. Mind you, those pipes were replaced when we moved in as part of the agreement, so they were new. Another day, I come home. We got a kitten. I find its head in the living room. Blood and nothing else. Looked like something ate it. It was horrible. For the longest time, there was this girl who would walk in and out the house. We usually only caught a glimpse of her. Mostly heard her giggle. This was a friendly neighborhood, so we figured it was one of the neighbor's kids who was curious and playing games. 
We let her be. For a long time after that, nothing out of the ordinary happened, but we wanted out of the house. We found a new place, and while we were moving, one of the neighbors comes to ask if we need help. He glances at the old trailer and says so, that thing is still here, huh? I told him we weren't allowed to touch it, asked him if he knew why. Since he was so interested in it, I thought he might know. He told me the people who originally bought the ground to build the house lived in that trailer until the house was ready. They never finished it, because the dad shot his six-year-old daughter and wife, and then committed self-harm. Because of some formalities, the case was never closed, and the trailer was a crime scene, which made it illegal to take away or enter it. He continued after those people died, the house was bought by a dog breeder. He finished the house, and one night he wanted to change a lamp, and his ladder tips over, hit his head on the sink, and he died. To this day, I'm certain those two families, and even the dogs, were present in that house. Not really a scary story, but this story was told to me by one of the hardest-slash-toughest old-school men I know. The man in question used to work as a taxi driver in Dublin, Ireland, and was doing his usual late shift on a winter's night. The story went something similar to this. This night the rain was pouring down as clubbers and partygoers were getting ready to go home, so he was pretty busy. He was getting ready to head home for the night, but decided to do one more fare. As he arrives at the taxi rank, he picks up a male passenger at the top of the queue and asks him where he is going. A group of three females behind the male in the queue hear him say he's going in the same direction as them, and would he mind if they shared the taxi with him. The male passenger accepts, and all four people get into the taxi. While in the taxi, the male passenger hears one of the girls talking about her mom. She's worried about her mom, etc., the male passenger then says not to worry about anything and that her mother will be all right and the diagnosis will come back as negative. The girl got freaked out and started to verbally attack the male. The male supposedly took it all in his stride and went on to elaborate that it was nice of the female to come home from America to look after her mom, that she'll land a good job soon and everything will be good in a year or so. The girl confirmed she came home from America to look after her mom and that she just went for an interview for a really good job. The male then went on talk to the other girls in the car telling them stuff about their personal lives that they hadn't disclosed, what to focus on, and where they'll be in the future. When it came near the end affair, it was the taxi driver, one female and the male passenger in the car. According to the taxi driver, the last girl was really into the male passenger and invited him in for coffee, but he declined. It's just the taxi driver and the male passenger in the car now. The male passenger turned to the driver and said, Don't worry about your divorce, everything will be okay, and you'll still get to see your kids, etc. This freaked the driver out as he was going through a messy divorce at the time. He said he almost got in a fight with the male passenger. The male passenger then confessed that his family warned him about saying stuff like that to strangers as it may get him into trouble. This happened a few months ago and has been bugging me. I was out hiking and rappelling with a friend in the hills near Tombstone. I want to mention that I have spent quite a bit of time solo hiking and camping. 
I'm used to hearing noises and brushing it off. Anyways, it's late afternoon, and I'm first one to rappel down. I got to the bottom, and while my partner was getting ready to follow, we heard this noise that I would describe most like a growl-slash-snarl. It sounded like it was coming from the ridge above both of us. If facing the cliff, it sounded like it was coming from the right side. We both looked around, but didn't see anything. I encouraged him to come down and even half-joked that it was probably just a bear or mountain lion. At that point, I wasn't even feeling that nervous. I figured that once the two of us were together again, we would be pretty intimidating to an animal. While he rappelled down, I heard a loud crash to what seemed to be parallel to me on my left. By this point, I'm starting to get pretty scared because it was getting closer and also had somehow gone from right to left on an exposed cliff, ace without either of us seeing it. He successfully rappled down, and we both agreed we needed to get the F out of there, and we still had a steep downhill climb to the car. We packed up the gear as fast as possible. As we get our packs back on, we heard what to me sounded like a howler monkey. The noise was close, and we still could not see what was making it. Of course it was from the direction that we needed to go. We hauled ass down the mountain and got in the car. I know that it can be easy to let the mind play tricks, but we had the exact same account of what happened. Now this is the part I hesitate to put in writing because I know it sounds even more insane. But we both heard whispering and giggling, as if it was right next to us. I keep trying to explain to myself that our minds just played a trick. The first noise I would chalk up to a bear or mountain lion. Animals are stealthy and could run in front of us without us noticing. Something else could have fell from the right side. What made the monkey noises, though? Why do we both feel like we heard whispering? Anyone else have creepy experiences in Arizona? I want to believe someone was pranking us, but there weren't any other cars in the parking area. My friend believes that we experienced something supernatural. I honestly have no idea what to think. I encountered something strange on my job. I work on an oil rig. My job is to run an excavator and mix off the mud that comes out of the ground and do stuff that needs big machines. Because of the locations of these rigs, I have to drive to pretty remote places in the wilderness of Canada. Anyhow, one of the light towers at the edge of the lease went out. I went over and in the forest I could see these weird like fireflies type of things, but like the size of a basketball. But they weren't bright like they weren't lighting things up around them. Then I started feeling super uneasy. Then in between some trees, I could see this big-ass silhouette of a person with red, glowing eyes. I ran back into the machine just to see it walking away. When I was in it, I ended up telling the crew. I'm not the only one who's seen it. Like half of them have seen it, and two of them have had it smile at them with this thing. Also, I'm so sorry for the punctuation. I was squirrel hunting on public hunting property in northwest Indiana, DNR, about an hour from my house. It is my habit to start my hunting early in the morning. I had never felt any pressure while hunting in this area or since the incident. So I thought nothing of hunting this day. It was fairly quiet except for the twittering of the occasional bird while I'd been there. It was after 11 a.m. 
when I decided to take a little break and have a snack from my pack. So I took a seat along the trail. As I sat there, a voice came into my thoughts that said, Behind you, you preach to listen to your inner voice and trust it. I did. I turned around to look behind me. As soon as I got turned around, I saw an enormous being about nine feet tall and 1,000 pounds with long, flowing, reddish-brown hair all over his body that resembled an orangutan in color. I only saw it for one or two seconds because that is how long it took for it to stride across the trail opening. I got the impression that it didn't know or didn't care that I was there since it didn't look my way. I was about 120 yards away, just sitting on the side of the trail. I suddenly wanted to get the hell out of there, realizing that I was no longer the apex predator in those woods. The twenty-two semi-auto rifle I had would have done nothing more than piss off the creature and offered no more protection than a sharp, pointy stick. I hid back to my car, looking over my shoulder the entire time, wondering if I was going to end up as a statistic but I was not going to let this thing destroy my love for the woods. It took me a while, but I did make it back to those same woods. I now say at the very beginning of my hunts that I'm only there to harvest a few squirrels and to enjoy the woods. I'm not there looking for them. I ask that they not scare me while I'm there. So far that has been working. Does this offer credence to mind speak? I don't know. Did the Sasquatch let me know it was there, wanting me to see it? I don't know, but that is what I am leaning toward. I was just an average hiker out for a day hike in the National Park. I had heard the legends of the Wendigo, but I never thought I would come face to face with one. It all happened so fast. One moment I was admiring the beauty of the woods, and the next I was being tackled by a creature unlike any I had ever seen before. It was tall and thin, with matted fur and glowing eyes. It had elongated fingers that ended in sharp claws. Its mouth was wide and gaping, revealing razor-sharp teeth. The creature dragged me deeper into the woods, away from the trail. I struggled and fought, but it was no use. It was too strong. It pinned me to the ground and began to feast on my flesh. I remember thinking that this was it. This was the end, and then everything went black. When I woke up, I was in the ranger station. Park ranger Harold was sitting next to me. He was the one who had found my body and brought me back to civilization. You're lucky to be alive, he said. I found you just in time, but I'm afraid the creature got away. I felt a surge of fear and anger. How could this have happened? How could a creature like that be roaming free in the national park? Harold must have sensed my emotions because he quickly added, Don't worry, we'll take care of it. I've already reported the incident to my supervisor, and he's sending out a team to track and capture the creature. But as it turns out, the supervisor had different plans. He didn't want to call the police because he feared that if the public found out about the creature, the National Park would be closed down. So instead, he tasked Harold with finding and killing the creature himself. Harold was reluctant to accept the mission, but he knew he had no choice. He was the only one with experience tracking the creature, and he couldn't let anyone else get hurt. So he went into the woods armed with only a rifle and a determination to take down the monster. It was a cold and dark night when Harold finally caught sight of the creature. 
He raised his rifle, took aim, and fired. But the creature was fast and agile. It dodged the bullet and tackled Harold. The next morning, another ranger went to investigate and only found Harold's radio dispatcher. They searched for him, but they never found his body. It's been days since Harold went missing, and the creature still roams free. I can't help but think that I was the one who brought this curse upon us all. If I had only stayed on the trail, if I had only ignored the legends, Harold would still be alive. But now it's too late. The creature is out there, and it's hungry. I can only hope that the next person who crosses its path is luckier than I was. When I was younger, I used to go to a place called Desolation Wilderness, near Camino, California. It was the perfect place for camping and fishing. Realizing that it had been a few years since my last trip, I talked to a friend of mine to go camping and fishing. We managed to talk another friend into coming with us, and then we were off. We arrived around 1 p.m. and decided to hike upstream from a place called Wright's Lake, and then when we found a good spot, we would set up camp. After walking for a couple hours, a ranger found us hiking and told us that we actually weren't even technically in desolation wilderness yet, and that we needed to keep hiking for a bit longer. I started tearing down the camp, but I guess the other two guys were not as enthusiastic about the trip as I was. They left for Placerville to find a hotel room. When they left, I hiked up a bit farther, but I started to worry about the amount of time I had to find a place and set up my camp before dark. As I hiked, I tried to remember the ranger's instructions, but I ended up getting lost. Finally, I found a granite cliff with a stream that had a beautiful pool of water and was right on the tree line. I thought it was perfect, so I set up camp and started fishing. When the sun had set and the scat and the side was dark, I decided to go to sleep. Cozy in my sleeping bag, I started to drift off, but then I heard something growl outside my tent. I grabbed the .45 compact handgun from its case and looked down through the screen on the front of the tent. From where I was standing, I could only see a dark figure that looked around four and a half feet tall, standing near the trees. Thinking that it was a bear, I started yelling, hoping that I would scare it away. It didn't move. I then fired a shot at a dead tree nearby. That startled it, and it ran back into the forest. But to my surprise, it didn't go very far. I climbed back into my tent. Then I heard crashing sounds. It was the sound of rocks falling off the cliff and hitting the pool below and the rocks around it. This was unnerving. I climbed out of my tent a few times, but I couldn't see anything, even though the moon was bright and the white granite rocks reflected its paleness. Crashing rocks hit every few minutes until around two in the morning. Then it stopped, but I heard something rustling just outside my tent. I yelled at it and tried to scare it off. But instead of scaring it, I heard a very deep growling sound in return. At this point, I didn't want to wait until it got too close. So I got out of my tent and looked around. Nothing. I decided to shoot the tree again to see if the creature would react and run back into the forest again, just like the first time. But it stopped again. As I listened to the sounds of his moving, I realized that it was running on two feet. This was not a bear. I didn't want to go back into my tent. I grabbed my sleeping bag and moved over to the middle of the big slab of white granite nearby. I felt safer and knew that the forest was further away from me.
but I could still hear the noises of rocks crashing. I prayed the sun would come up soon. At about 4.30 in the morning, I was awoken from my light sleep. I looked back at the trees, but didn't see anything. So I looked back over at my tent. There it was, standing at the side of my tent. I panicked and picked up my gun and shot the side of the creature, but it didn't flinch. Then, with giant steps, it walked toward me. I shot at it. I wasn't sure if a point forty-five would even stop such a beast, but it was my only hope. After the second shot rang out, it was off into the trees. Shaking like a leaf, I sat down, clutching my gun. I waited for hours until the light started to appear in the sky. I broke camp and headed back down to Wright's Lake. That was the last time I saw the creature. That was also the last time I went to the desolation wilderness, and I will never go back. I live in apartments with a cemetery right behind them, so it's not uncommon to have experiences like this. However, I'm not sure if this is a spirit, or a cryptid, or if these experiences are connected. A few nights ago, me and my friend were walking back from the store. 10.30 p.m. E. We both heard a little girl screaming stuff such as mommy help and saw a man chasing something into the woods. We called the police, but they didn't help, just looked around a bit and told us to call back if we hear or see anything. Me and my friend decided to search ourselves as we kept hearing the cries in the woods. After a while, we went to the spot we were when we first heard it. We heard it again coming from the trails. We looked stupid idea I know and saw what looked like a tall, skinny person crouched down. Its skin was gray and looked like it was stretched across the bones. It looked up, but I couldn't see much because our lights weren't bright enough. I heard a cracking sound and smelled that clay you can find by digging. Once I heard the noise, the rain got really heavy and the wind almost knocked me over. I'm on the heavier side, so that wouldn't be easy. Ever since seeing it, we have both been really tired, almost like the energy was suddenly sucked out of us. We both felt sick and ran, but earlier, at around 6 p.m. It gets dark at 5 p.m. Here, I was walking back from the same store. As I was walking past the spot we saw it, I heard my best friend. He lives two hours away, so I was kind of shocked at first. He was yelling for me to wait for him. I saw him standing there, but it wasn't exactly him. He has glasses, but this thing didn't. It was thinner and shorter than him. Also had brown eyes when his are grayish-blue. The friend I was walking with mentioned meeting me before I actually met him. He told me I walked up to him and told him he shouldn't be walking around by himself because of creeps in the apartment. He gave me a description of it, and it looked like me expected had an ankle monitor on. Had scars I don't have, but didn't have the ones I do made him stay on the left side of it, and that it was trying to get him to follow it to a clearing behind the basketball court, which I don't go to because I had a traumatic experience there. He also mentioned that his ask for the boy who caused that traumatic experience and got angry when he told it he didn't know where the boy was. The boy who caused it hasn't lived in the apartment since 2017.